This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 16. Today we hear about the tarantula and the Berlin Zoo. We try to guess three mystery animal sounds and zoo news. So stick around. Hello and welcome everybody. Uh, My name is Frederick Fishman. I'm the author and the host of this podcast series called Visit the Zoo. And we've got a full program today. A lot going on here in this episode, so we'll try and get right to it. And as I said, I'm the author of the 120 Animal 12 book series on Visit the Zoo. And that you can find on ebooks and print books, audio books, and the first of the 12 DVD video series is out. And you can get more information on all of that by going to our websites. The main podcast website is at zooanimals.info and animals, that's plural, zooanimals.info and my author website is frederickfisherman.com spelled F-I-C-H-M-A-N dot com. We also have set up a Patreon site if you want to help support us in everything we do here at Visit the Zoo and that's at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash visit the zoo patreon.com slash visit the zoo. Okay, let's get going. Let's read some animal news, and I'll, to, I'll try to do this uh, quickly. Uh, I've got three small short stories, so we'll be able to blast through this. And the headline of this story was dated last month, and the dateline is Omaha, Nebraska. And the title is Brookings Man at the Two Millionth Visitor to Omaha's Henry Dorley Zoo. An aquarium, a very large zoo in the United States, by the way. Brookings Man has been named the two millionth visitor to the zoo in Omaha. Killian Surratt of Brookings arrived at the zoo on Friday night for a concert, like I said, this was last month, and became the two millionth visitor. This is the second year in a row that zoo has hit two million visitors. Killian and Shelby also got to meet the zoo's newest giraffe calf, who was born earlier this week. And this next story is Dateline from India, and it was published by the Himanshu Koshik. God, I butchered that, I'm sure, at the end of December. And the city is Ahmedabad. Visitors to the Kankaria Zoo have often complained that during their visit, they found animals like leopards and jackals and hyenas, which are nocturnal animals, dozing or inactive. To address this, zoo authorities have launched a nocturnal zoo, the first of its kind in Gujarat, where the management of light the nocturnal animal sea will be induced to remain active during the day so they can sleep at night. So what they're doing is they're changing their sleeping patterns here. The house has been constructed over four years and it's over 9,000 square meters in size. The house will have soundproof glass enclosures that will prevent zoo animals from hearing the sounds of visitors, but visitors will be able to hear the sounds made by the animals through microphones installed in each enclosure. If a leopard roars, a visitor will be able to hear, but if a visitor shouts, the leopard will be unable to hear that. And this third story is Dateline here several weeks ago in Tucson. This is about motion-activated cameras to help delve deeper into the lives of animals. The story, though, is from Cheyenne, Wyoming. And it says that, how does a bighorn sheep say cheese? Well, some charismatic critters caught by motion 
detecting wildlife cameras seem to know how to strike a pose. As these devices get smaller and cheaper and more reliable, scientists across the U.S. are using these trail cams to document elusive creatures like never before. There's no doubt it is an incredible tool to acquire data on wildlife said Grant Harris, a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service biologist based in Albuquerque. Remote cameras have photographed everything from small desert cats, called oslots, to snow-loving lynx high in the northern Rockies. Harris cited images of javelinas and captured at the higher latitudes in recent years that could mean global warming is expanding their northern range. Now, here's an interesting part of this story. Sometimes smart alecky humans, humans now, turn up among the images. I've seen people moon cameras, and that's always funny, said Harris. As with all human intrusion into nature, remote cameras have downsides. Animals such as wolverines and bears have been known to attack the cameras, though whether out of curiosity or aggression, it's hard to say. So those are our three news stories for today. Now, I think it was two weeks ago, we introduced a new segment to the Visit the Zoo podcast where we highlight a world-class or world-famous or a substantial zoo and tell you a little bit more about them. We've got one today that we would like to introduce you to in Spotlight. And today we are going to talk about the Berlin Zoo. And it it truly is one of the world-class zoos of the world. It's located in Berlin, Germany, in an area called the Tiergarten which is a central area of Berlin. It's a large inner city park that includes galleries, designer shops, a concert hall, and, of course, the subject of our spotlight today, the Berlin Zoo. The Berlin Zoo was opened back on August the 1st, 1844. That's a long time ago. The aquarium was opened in 1913. Both facilities are open all year long. The facility stretches over 86 acres, and it is the oldest and the best-known zoo in Germany. It contains, and this is what makes them so famous, 1,380 species and 19,400 animals. It's one of the largest collections in the world. They see 3.5 million visitors per year, and most visited zoo in Europe and the world is the Berlin Zoo. They also coordinate activities with universities universities, research institutions, and zoos around the world. They participate in breeding programs and species reinstatement. During World War II, the zoo was destroyed. Only 91 of 3,700 animals were saved, but the zoo was reconstructed and repopulated after the war. Enclosures are built to recreate the natural habitat of the animals. They house four of the great apes, gorilla, orangutans, chimpanzee, bonobo. They also house all of the big cats, and they have nocturnal animal displays as well. The Berlin Zoo also has a walk-through aviary for a variety of birds. The aquarium is the largest collection of marine animals in Europe, and it is also at the aquarium where they house the amphibians, the reptiles, and other invertebrates. 
In 2016, they rejuvenated the world of birds enclosure and Lion's Gate. And in 2017, just this past year, they opened up Panda Habitat, which is considered the most up-to-date panda enclosure in the world. In the future, the Berlin Zoo will increase by 12,000 square feet, square meters rather, excuse me, a rhino and tabor habitats for underwater viewing. They'll also build a 23,000 square meter elephant habitat, and that'll be quite an upgrade as well. So there is lots to see and do at the Berlin Zoo. You can learn more about the Berlin Zoo by going to their website, which is zoo-berlin.de backslash. That's zoo-berlin.de backslash. And that is our Zoo Spotlight for this week. Now we come to one of the favorite segments, so, so I've heard, of the episodes that I've produced and put online for you. And that is the animal sounds. And what I'll do is I'll play three animal sounds and we'll see if you can guess what the animals are so let's go with our first animal sound all right i'll tell you what let me turn it up just a little bit so you can get a better listen to this one and i'll play it again one more time this next animal sound this should be very easy very very easy one more time and finally our third animal sound You may be a little surprised about this one, but let me play it one more time and listen carefully. Those are our animal sounds for today. I'll give you the answers later on in the episode. Now we're going to listen to our featured animal description. This is taken from the 120 Animal 12 volume Visit the Zoo series that I authored. And it's available, like I said, either in print or in a ebook, depending upon what you'd like. And this one is the tarantula. So let me play this for you. And here's a little bit about the red knee tarantula. Just the word tarantula can send a shiver up your spine. So we have to go back and look at this thing before we move on. The red knee tarantula is not a small spider with its four-inch body and a diameter with legs that extend out to six inches. They make their homes on hillsides or gentle slopes in the Sierra Madre del Sur and Sierra Madre Occidental Mountains of Mexico. Curiously, they mold or climb out of old skin to newer and larger skin as they grow. They can live 25 years. It is hard to imagine having this guy living in your garage for 25 years. They stalk their prey, insects mainly, by lurking in the doorway of their burrows waiting for that prey to stumble by in front of them. They will snatch up the victim and drag the prey back into the safety and comfort of the burrow. They are slightly venomous, considered extremely docile, but repeated bites can cause allergic reactions. I think the thing to do is to stay away from the tarantula. Okay, let's go back to our animal sounds now. You've had a chance to think about it. And let's play the first one, and then I'll tell you a little bit about them and what this thing is, all right? Again. 
that is a red-tailed hawk. It may sound different if it's flying above your head and up a few hundred feet, but that is the red-tailed hawk, and it's considered a bird of prey. It's found throughout North America, also in Central America, and they also have some population in the West Indies. They're found at a span of altitudes and environment types and habitats, and they usually do not migrate. They stay where they are. The red-tailed hawk is considered one of the largest species of the hawk family. They are 1.5 to 3.5 pounds in weight, 18 to 26 inches long, and they have a wingspan, those beautiful wings of 3 feet 7 inches to 4 feet 8 inches. Their favorite food, of course, is the ground squirrel, but also they can eat amphibians, birds, crustaceans. By some native indigenous peoples, they're considered sacred. They can travel anywhere between 20 to 40 miles per hour when they're flying, but when they're diving for prey, they can dive at almost 120 miles per hour. All right, here's our next animal. I bet there's not one person who is listening to this episode that does not know what this animal is. That's the horse. The horse has evolved over 45 to 55 million years. It's been domesticated by humans starting back as late as 4000 B.C., it's about 6,000 plus, 6, plus years ago. They are growing to full adult size by age 5, and they can live as much as 25 to 30 years. They are used by humans for the purpose of pleasure, also work in the field, or even in war. And they love to run, and they love to race. All types of breeds, sizes, colors, dispositions exist in the horse world. They're used in some societies for meat, milk, bone, hair, and their hide. There's over 300 breeds around the world today of horse. To watch them run, prance, or race truly is poetry in motion. Here is our third and our final animal sound of the day. Let me play that one more time for you. And that, everyone, is the baboon. The baboon is an old world monkey, and the guinea baboon is about 20 inches high and weighs about 31 pounds. That's one of the average size baboons, but the biggest is the chakuma baboon, which is 47 inches high and weighs 88 pounds. They live on the African continent, and the oldest fossil there is about 2 million years old. They have long, dog-like muzzles, and they have sharp teeth. They're terrestrial land animals. They eat fish, birds, small antelopes, and monkeys too. They can live in captivity for over 45 years and in the wild about 30 years. Predators who hunt them are crocodiles, lion, hyenas, leopards, cheetahs, but they're not easy to catch though. They live in groups, sometimes as few as five and sometimes as large as 250. And in ancient Egypt, they were worshipped and considered sacred. So those are our three animal sounds for today. And in this segment, towards the end of our episode, we usually either read a poem or read some quotes. And today we're going to read some quotes. And I have six of them here for you. And we'll start off with one from James Harriet, who was a British veterinary surgeon from 1916 to 1995. If having a soul means being able to feel love and loyalty and gratitude, then animals are better off than a lot of humans. This next one is from Anatole France, who was a French poet and novelist, journalist, who lived from 1844 to 1924. Until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul, 
remains unawakened. This next one is from Scottish novelist, poet, essayist, Robert Louis Stevenson, very famous author, and he lived from 1850 to 1844. You think those dogs will not be in heaven? I'll tell you, they will be there long before any of us. This next quote is from Henry Beston, who was an American writer and naturalist from 1888 to 1968. We patronize the animals for their incompleteness, for their tragic fate of having taken form so far below ourselves. And therein we err, and greatly err. For the animal should not be measured by man. In a world older and more complete than ours, they are more finished and complete, gifted with extensions of the senses we have lost or never attained, living by voices we shall never hear. They are not brethren, they are not underlings. They are other nations, caught with ourselves in the net of life and time, fellow prisoners of the splendor and travail of earth. This next quote is from Martin Buber, who was an Austrian-born philosopher who lived from 1878 to 1965. An animal's eyes have the power to speak a great language. And finally, this is from Walt Whitman, a very famous American poet and essayist and journalist who lived from 1819 to 1892. I think I could turn and live with the animals. They are so placid and self-contained. I stand and look at them long and long. They do not sweat or whine about their condition. They do not lie awake in the dark and weep for their sins. They do not make me sick discussing their duty to God. Not one is dissatisfied. Not one is demeaned or demented with the mania of owning things. Not one kneels to another, nor his kind that lived thousands of years ago. Not one is responsible or industrious over the whole earth. All right, well, we've come just about to the end of the episode, and I want to thank you very much. It's a little bit longer this time because we had so much to cover, and next time we're going to do the whole thing all over again, and I'll have a few surprises for you, and we'll have some animal descriptions as well as some animal sounds, some mystery animal sounds. Please join us. We really hope that you will. We also hope that you will, when you listen to us on iTunes, if that's where you listen to us, where most of you do, I think, at least that's where what the statistics show, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. Also check out our three websites, which are Zoo Animals, it's plural, zooanimals.info, and my author website at frederickfishman, F-I-C-H-M-A-N, Com. And finally, if you want to help support all, all of our efforts here at Visit the Zoo for everything we do for the books and the podcast, mainly for the podcast, for all of the overhead that we have to put on and bear with to bring this to you, we hope that you will visit our Patreon site, which is at Patreon, which is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, Patreon dot com slash Visit the Zoo. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining me, and I hope that you will come back next week for another edition of Visit the Zoo.